Welcome to New Type Flash. This is a podcast where every other week we come to you with Gundam Universal Century in a more or less chronological order. This week we are coming to you with Zeta episodes 9 and 10 and Evolves episodes 2 and 12. Um, so Emma is on Earth when we start this, but before that, I need to introduce people. Man, I just I feel like I mess this up a little bit in you a did, different way each you week. Did, you did it so well for a long time and then just stopped doing it one day and then have not done it since. That's Luke, and we also have Scotty. <laughs> I'm going to mail it in, too. I always wear a white suit in the jungle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, th I, think, I think he was still wearing that during Unicorn, too. <laughs> That is Kai's only suit. It's like 20 years later. It's the same jungle in the same suit. With the same creepy receding hairline. And another different voice actor. <laughs> yeah, But only so, if he's speaking in English. So Emma is taking a boat ride in the jungle. Um, do they say exactly where it was? I think it was like somewhere in South America. Can we assume it was like near Jaburo? Well, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So yeah, the she Vienna gets to Highlands. She's, yeah. she's going there to train. Yeah, of course. So she gets captured by some guys, um, as she's going down in this, this boat, very like double O, uh, or zero uh, eight MS team vibes in there. Like pre, pre, M M M M pre MS team. Um, and then, uh, Kai Shiden shows up. He shows up. He's now a dude in a suit with a receding hairline. He's a reporter or something like that, I think he says. Yeah. He just kind of comes out of nowhere. And I, I don't think, maybe they explain it later, but he's just kind of there and helps her for some reason. Does he explain yeah. it here or is that later? We learn this later when he shows up again, when things really kind of get to earth and stay there for a while. Right here, he introduces himself as a freelance journalist which always makes me think of death said who is not a bounty hunter he is a freelance peacekeeping agent um but this is in line with uh this is actually one of the reasons i wanted to cover that part of the origin manga uh, this yeah, is about to bring that up the last time we saw him there mm -hmm. yep yep so um yeah so he's already trying to bang her so he's he's doing the kai thing um the creepy kai uh, but yeah, so we're going to go back to the moon for a few minutes now that, that, that Kai has creeped us out. Um, Anaheim is in the process of resupplying the Titans. Um, and it, there's like a, there's like just a scene where like they're, they're adversarial, but they're not adversarial. Their Titans are getting what they want. Like they always do at this point. Well, Kakarkon, for one thing, got his bro a chicken sandwich again. <laughs> Yeah, I, that was like such a random little scene in there. I was like, wait. <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking of that too. Like you would think they would figure that out eventually. It was important to add in. Yeah, I know. But hey, look, you had to know that Kakarkon is the dick that will order you the same thing you had for lunch yesterday without asking you if you wanted something different today. That's important characterization for a guy named Kakarkon Kakuler. <laughs> anyway... Um, but what you get out of the scene with Anaheim is you've got, um, what's his name? Jamaican. And, um, am I jumping ahead? You are, I think. No, you're not. No, no, you are. No. Yeah. Cause he's, yeah. Jamaican is telling that fed officer that they must've taken the side of the AUG and you know, they're saying no. And then this guy comes up and whispers to him. That's also in a, a regular Federation forces uniform. And then he suddenly changes his tune and he goes, well, we are going to leave on the Alexandria and Bosnia in 30 minutes and the Sichuan will be staying stationed here. Have a great day. <laughs> yeah. Foreshadowing. Gundam's great at it. Um, Who's the, yeah. who the guy with ja uh, Jamaican, by the way? He was in like the Nazi regalia. I don't think they name him. I only bring it up because I specifically wrote the note, like, why do these dudes dress exactly like SS officers? Like, exactly. Like, same hat, same coat. Like, I mean, oh. have, have you been watching Mobile Suit Gundam? 
lots of uniforms around them. <laughs> um yeah i'm sure there's there's gonna be like an amazon tv show in like a few years where the nazis just get mobile suits and it's just gonna be mobile suit gundam with like hitler as gearin i bet you i bet you Russia has already made this (laughs) no i mean someone's gonna sit there and they're gonna pitch this to netflix and netflix is gonna think it's a great idea and they're gonna get it greenlit and they're gonna be like i had this awesome idea for a show it's like back in time or you know near future and the nazis won and now they've got big fighting robots they're gonna think it's so original and then they're gonna make it and everybody's gonna be like this is just gundam this is a <laughs> shitty gundam knockoff yeah i'm sure i'm sure it's already been pitched in china remember the um the pink uh rx 78 that that they had at some uh uh amusement park that they got in trouble for i don't remember that that's interesting i'll have to look that up yeah it's pretty funny um all right so Back to Camille getting slapped. So um, <laughs> I, had, I had another note here that Camille gets slapped three times in three minutes by three different people. This, like, I, if you thought mobile, like, OG Mobile Suit Gundam was was slap happy, this this <laughs> series of first like ten or fifteen episodes of Zeta is super slap happy. I think, I think they try to, they're like, Tamino was like sitting there. He's like, what can I add? I need to conflict. What can I add that will just, I want the main make- character to experience adversity. What can I do? Slap him. <laughs> Everybody gets slapped. <laughs> Bright gets slapped. Camille gets slapped. Tamino's Camille's mom gets slapped. slapped. You slapped him literally 48 seconds ago. He needs it again. <laughs> Conflict. <laughs> to be fair to everyone else on the Argama, Camille almost always deserves it. I, I do agree with that, it's with the true. exception of the next slap where he gets the absolute shit kicked out of him by Wong Lee. Where he, where he gets brighted. He doesn't just get bright, brighted. He gets like brighted and then continued to be get beaten. He gets like brutally fucking beaten, man. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's talk about the first slap first. So, <laughs> um, so Amaro is, or sorry, Camille actually has Amaro's Haro, uh, and he's like working on it and yada yada yada. I, I don't think he Amaro. knows it's Amaro's Haro at that point. It, it, I think it calls him Amaro a few times. In this yeah, episode. it says yeah. it, but I don't think he. It, it doesn't seem like he connects the dots. He's he's like, I know it was on White Base. But that's about like where he's taking it because I don't think he's had a lot of time with it because they picked it up at the end of um, episode eight when um, when he and Rekoa were were like in the ruins of the moon fighting Kakrakon. So now he has it and he's like working on it and trying to like get it. Is that implying it was just like the wreckage of the white base or it it it's couldn't crap. have been though because the white base blew up around Abawaku. Yeah, it blew up like I thought that it got grounded at about about a coup and blew up, but like I don't know how Haro would have gotten over there. Well, it, you're just at an area near federal facilities, and who knows where the cleanup has been. And, yeah, and Haro's fate is left sort of ambiguous anyway. Yeah. So, um, yeah, basically, Camille is arguing with somebody, and they're like, "All right, well, all the pilots need to go and like like go to this meeting and." You know, Camille is playing this game where he's basically trying to do everything that he wants to do. And anytime somebody orders him to do something, he's it's like convenient. It's like, hey, uh, I, I need you to go to like the daycare. I'm not a kid. Okay, well, go pilot your mobile suit. Well, I'm not a pilot. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. follow an order. I'm a civilian. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, he he's like, I'm not a pilot, and he gets he gets smacked. Yeah. Um, yep. Then the next scene <laughs> is uh, where Camille is outside talking to Rekoa and um, Char is there. And then Wong comes up and he's like, hey, is this Camille? And they're like, yes, it's Camille. And then <laughs> Char and Rekoa just kind of like, they're like, oh, shit, we know what's going on here. And they, they like, fuck off. No, no, oh, no, it's fine. <laughs> Uh, Camille's like get this shit beat out of him and and like Rekoa thinks she's like man I'm gonna like step in and and help um Camille out and Bright's like or and and Char's like nah don't do it don't do it the, yeah um, so like <laughs> Wong Lee starts beating the shit out of him like hits him numerous times I think kicks him in the like in the stomach a few times and then he's like admit that you were wrong and then he's like, I'm not like wrong 
He puts his heel on his head too, you know, doesn't he? He used to beat the shit out yeah. of him. And he's he's like, you need to act like a soldier. He's like, but I'm not a soldier. It, you're not a soldier. <laughs> he's like, violence is not the answer. And then he gets knocked out. He like gets just fucking punted in the face. I'm pretty sure Camille jumps to punch people frequently as well. <laughs> yeah. like, we, so, like, it was like one of those people. things where this the scene with Jared at like the first episode where it's like, oh yeah, you know, Camille's gonna fight this guy and he's gonna actually like beat him up and then like two seconds later, like, nope. <laughs> yeah, well they're trying to establish a few things about Wong here. Because he just got introduced to, in episode eight or seven. Anyway, recent and McDaniels. Yeah, as they're on the way, he is in that little buggy with Henkin and Quattro, and they're going by these new ships, and you learn a couple of things here. You learn that this AUG fleet was funded entirely by donation. Mm-hmm. Doesn't say from who, but he's trying to make it sound like it's some kind of popular movement. Obviously, they have some support, as all they're establishing. And then it's also, Wong is a little cringy, okay? He's He's this like executive dude in charge and he's got these delusions of grandeur, but that's one of the things that's propping them up. So you have him comparing the AU. He, he makes an analogy to the young American nation that Europe didn't take seriously either. And all of his dialogue while he's beating up Camille, I just wrote down the word cringe. Like it's just, eh. he's, he's one of those guys. Uh, if you like take the, his introduction where he's like, comes in and he's like, hey, we're going to attack Jabra. And Char's like, but I thought we were going to attack Grips. That's what I want to do. I'm the military leader. He's like, yeah, I've got the money. And Char was like, oh, I thought you were just a silent investor. (laughs) And this is just Wong, like following along that thread a little bit more saying, yeah, I own you guys. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. Now, we did skip a, a short jungle scene. Oh, did we? Yeah. <laughs> Look, this episode jumps around. Like, yeah, it does. So is that, is that when is that when Kai tells her uh, she should? She's trying to like like she needs to contact her like home base, but it's too far away. So he says, "Let's go to Jabro." Yeah, but the important thing here is that they're counting transports. Reko was earlier. Um, Kai does as well, and they're like, "Wow, this is forty-eight transports flying over." And Kai says that he's figured out or learned that Jabro is quote moving but he won't say where to so this is your and that's why Rekwa wants to contact the AUG in space because she's there to do recon for this drop operation that they have to attack Jabro but they don't need to yeah why not Wong wants him to (laughs) that's the point they don't know that it's being like they're just leaving they they're yeah. not aware of that up in space and in yeah. au command or wherever yep so we go back to the dressing room with the pilots um camille um Rekua and uh, char all getting dressed um and then camille's basically like i'm not gonna fight and she slaps him yeah, I have a I have a note here on this scene that Camille, when he's complaining about it, he has a line in the dub, and the line is, "I'm just a neurotic kid." <laughs> but the way it is said, it sounds like he says, "I'm just an erotic kid." <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'll have to go with Char's line though, because um, because like Camille looks at Char briefly and is like. Why is everybody hitting me? And Char says, if you want to stop getting hit, then stop screwing up. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Dad. And then, per my point a little bit earlier, Emma points out to Camille that he plays the kid card when it suits him. That's what you do, right? Yeah. And we finally we get our first view of the Hyakushiki right after this. They don't really introduce it. They don't call it the Hyakushiki initially, but just- I think... We, we just, we get to see that Char has a new mobile suit. Yeah, that was very jarring. He just, he kind of sorted into the Yakushiki and I was like, I had to pause it for a second and like think really hard about what it was. I wasn't <laughs> expecting it to show up. Look, I had a model kit of the cool gold chrome one 
probably six or seven years before I ever watched this show. So I was like, yeah, it's that one. Um, <laughs> I did see a bunch of, uh, I don't think, I don't know if they named them, but a bunch of Nemo's floating around as well. And my first thought was like, man, it sucks for anyone still piloting a GM. And then, well, I think they've been iterating the GMs. For well, a- it's, it's a different mobile suit. It's, it's the, it's the precursor to the Jagan, I think. They're which- on the GM too. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, like the GM2 and the... So, all right, I'm not looking at... There is a, like, evolutionary flowchart of this. So what I'm about to say is probably wrong for those listening out there. But if I remember correctly, which I'm probably not, uh, both the GM2 and the Nemo are somewhere in that, like, evolutionary diagram of where a Jagan comes from. Like, a GM2 fucks a Nemo and you get a Jagan. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I believe you're right. And then Something that, like that. And then that became one of my favorites, which was the Jesta. Anyway, moving on. Just wanted to mention that. <laughs> so, yeah, everybody launches except for Camille. And then he launches a few minutes later. Um, so we don't really know at this point what they're doing. They We just know that they're launching to, like, do something. Um, they, they, they do, like... It seems like they do something in this this episode or this show a lot, and then they tell you like while they're doing it, like what the whole point of them doing it is like, oh, uh, <laughs> Emma's going to Earth, and then she gets down to Earth, and she's like, you know, halfway to two thirds through her mission. By the way, I'm doing a recon on Jaburo. All right, well, all these people launch on the moon. Um, when we know they're getting ready to leave in a little bit, and it turns out that they're like trying to steal some shit. Um, but again, we don't even find that out for a few a, a few scenes at this point. We just know that Camille is launching behind them to catch up, and then we go and we get to see Jamaican uh, positing, as you will, that Anaheim may be supplying the AUG as well. Um, but that's okay because Basque is going to take over Anaheim eventually. Um, Yep, and then we go back. I, I don't think. Well, so so there's a couple things here. Uh, one, they're receiving their Mara size, which are another new model. Yeah, they don't and specifically call them out yet, though, do they? They do. No, yeah, they, they he mentions the name, the Mara size. Oh well, I mean, I just wrote it down because I was like looked up on the screen. And I was like, oh look, a Mara size. They're getting yeah. those. So, um, uh, sorry, familiarity with some of these designs um, doesn't always help, but. Um, well, it gets called out specifically in the next episode, which is why I was like, Sometime, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what the next episode I'm thinking of, but so as Jamaican's talking to this Anaheim rep, he's saying he's not going to check him for AU contacts, even though he's supposed to, um, because yeah, I'm trying to read my, uh, my own handwriting to, to make sure I get this, uh, get this right. So, He's saying that, you know, he name drops Melanie Hugh Carbine, which is a dude for reference, who is the chair of Anaheim. And he's, I think this is just Jamaican trying to play nice with the Anaheim rep. And because he then asks him like, hey, you know, do you think that uh, the Titans are going to win? And he's, you know, kind of like Lane said, just kind of doing some gamesmanship with him. But um one of the things that uh, she always jumps out here. So you hear the name Melanie Hugh Carbine. If you're just watching Zeta for the first time and you've watched some of the later shows, you might be going, why the fuck is that she, name familiar? She's in NT a lot, isn't she? That's what she's featured in NT, isn't she? So remember Melanie Hugh Carbine is a dude. Or yeah, sorry. So I'm thinking um, of the, there's a Carbine woman in NT, isn't there? So unicorn and very briefly in NT. Um, so his wife is Martha Vist Carbine, who you see in Unicorn. And that gets you a connection to the Vist family. And that is not for this part of the podcast. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, just some, some names that will start to be things that matter getting dropped here and there. Uh, by yeah, it seems like they're, they're sprinkling little seeds because it feels like with Zeta, they were like, all right, so maybe we are going to like, make this be a thing over the next 30, 40 years. (laughs) At least the next two, right? Yeah. Um, 
Yep. So, so they do drop that Basque is planning to take over Anaheim eventually. So I guess Anaheim would essentially be like socialized to the military or something. Along those lines. Anaheim's just in the corner laughing like, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so we learned that Char and Camille um, and crew are going to go tat, uh, uh, capture a Titan ship. Um, they never call the name out, but again, we know what it is. Scotty mentioned it earlier with the, the, the Sichuan. Um, yeah. So we also learned that Camille doesn't know how to shoot a gun. Um, but once he starts shooting a gun, he, he's like, okay, I guess new type powers allow you to shoot pretty well. Once you like figured out how to work the safety. <laughs> um, but speaking of his new type powers, speaking of his new type powers, he, so, Oh, well, that, that's a little bit where I, I was going to say Jared is on his way as well. And this is a scene that I didn't quite understand. So maybe you guys can, can clarify this for me a little bit. Um, it looks like Jared blows up the entrance to where they came in the base, but, but then like they never make a thing of that. Like, so, so the, uh, the Jared's suit shoot some stuff. And then, and then Camille has like a new type flash. Um, and he's like, something's going on outside. Is Jared in this episode? Yeah. He is? Yeah, yeah he's like right at the end. Um, yeah, because Jared launches it in his suit. There's like a, a brief talk about with the, the captain of the Alexandria saying like, oh, you know, Jared's got to be allowed to launch to like make up for his screw ups, basically. But he's like behind the main force. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, hey, well, it's super minor, and that's so, why I was just wondering. It seemed like they. they Go ahead. What, what I have down that they're showing is Kakarkon and Kitchman attacking the where the Argama is, and that's what Camille sees. He has like his new type vision, kicking in, and that's how that's why he's going to Quattro, saying like, "Hey, I need to, I need to leave here and go. I need to go help them." And Quattro's all like. He didn't, Char didn't sense pick up anything. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah see, which is, tells you something. And uh, uh, you just have Emma there defending the Argama. Okay. Yeah. See, it, for me, it, it seemed like there were like two different things that were attacked at, at different points. Um, because, and it's probably just, I, I didn't catch it. But yeah, so Emma is fighting outside in her in Erictius, um against Kakarkon's group. Um, she's able to hold off for a little bit, but her arm gets blown off. And right when, um, her arm gets blown off, Camille shows up to save the day. Um, it's, and, and Kakarkon and is it Jared that's with Kakarkon at this point? Just some other no, random dude. It's Kitchman, the guy he got the chicken sandwich for. Okay. Yeah. So, um, it's two versus one, but they're not really having much luck with Camille. Um, it, he's faster than them because they're not in their new suits yet. Um, but yeah, uh, eventually they withdraw and Emma basically, uh, cusses Camille out for saving her. And then she's like, uh, you just did your own thing. And you're like doing your own thing, like a Camille. And he was like, well, actually this time I asked for permission and she's like, Oh, Okay, I forgive you. And then he's like, "Oh yeah, I also like new type flashed you crying, asking for help." She was like, "I oh. saw you. <laughs> I saw you." Just for what it's worth, MAHQ agrees with me that Jared is not in this episode. Really? Yeah. I I could have swore he shows up. He, his name is mentioned, and that is all. Okay, that might might be it then. I I think they mentioned him, and so I assumed that he was launching behind them. Yeah, I think I was in the same boat. I could have swore he was there, but it might might have just been them talking about him. Yeah. So um, we we see like at the very end of this after uh, um, after uh, Emma apologizes to Camille that um, they're like, oh, we've got to clean up the the suits. Like we got to do this and. The, the new guys are going to take care of it. And Camille's like, no, I'll do it. I'm the newest pilot on board, aren't I? Or I'm the rookie on board. Um, so he's like slowly, I guess, trying to grow up at this point. Um, it's kind of weird. But yeah, so the episode ends with uh, 
Reko is still getting hit on by uh, Kai. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she basically tells him to stop being creepy. Stop, stop being so familiar with me. Yep. That was Kai is creepy. That That's the episode. So let's, uh, let's talk about define a little bit. So um, two and 12. Um, we're not talking. I'm about sorry. Def- evolve. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't know why I put, th- I put this in my official notes too. Put it in your brain apparently. And you it's, cannot let it go. Well, no, it's in my notes. When I say it, I, I'm, I'm looking at my notes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's, let's talk about two and two and 12. So uh, episode two of evolve was made in 2001. Episode 12 was made in 2006. Um, one of the first things I'll say is you can tell based off of the quality that like 12 is way nicer looking. Um, yeah. But so let's, let's talk about two first. Um, this is basically uh, some training footage of the Mark II that happens in space uh, as they're, as they're in lunar orbit or heading towards the moon. Um, it, it's like, um, I guess it was like AU not propaganda material, but like military footage that they used yeah. to like show the capabilities of the Mark II. Yeah, it was like tests. Like it, it seemed almost like random test footage. Yeah. Like they like had they 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 had some drones that were flying out there and were having like Camille shoot at them, um, and then you get like some random like profile views of the frame of the Mark II where it's kind of like transparent or translucent you can kind of see like the outer armor but you can also see like the inner frame and everything which is pretty neat but it's like really blurry and dark because their animation quality wasn't that great. very much like a playstation one tech demo where they're like look we can do fmvs yeah um this is one of those things i think this like the the mark ii is one of the older master grades the original one there's a version two yeah but um this is one of those things that came out of, like when they were first putting these evolve episodes out a lot of them were tied to things yeah. that had model kits or were going to have model kits and the things of that nature like there's an episode with the uh, god gundam just because it's master grade was coming out yeah i have one of my notes is basically the gunpla and 3d modeling <laughs> yeah yeah, but the uh, the context of the episode, uh, I don't want to hit on because this will actually this is something that deals with the very end of Zeta, and if you don't know that, then it doesn't matter anyway. But this is basically just a training mission. It's Camille versus some drones. Yep, and you get to see the Mark II in three D, and it probably looked really cool to someone on a standard def TV in two thousand one. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah, watching this when this first came out, it was probably like, oh, that's pretty neat. And you, you think about it like this, 2001 was, what, two years after Final Fantasy VII came out? Four. I thought that was nine, oh, four years? Okay. Yeah, in 97. Still, I mean, not, not too far from that technology. Um, yeah, so you see back in space that towards the end of the episode, um you you see the Mark II fighting some Rick Diaz's and um, then he's like shooting a gun and at the very end he shoots a probe um, that's recording it and uh, you get to see like Camille's official like report slash apology letter um, for the incident. Yeah, I didn't read the whole thing. I think you did, Scotty. I read the like the apology portion at the top that he wrote. That's, about that's I think that's all that was actually meant to be legible. Mm. Yeah, so the I read that top part and he already in just that top part um, mentions that he's a civilian and not military twice <laughs> in just the first paragraph. And then there has this personal comment section which is just long. And I didn't read all of it because it scrolls by, and as it's scrolling, you can uncomfortably read it. And then I said, well, let me pause it. And then I couldn't read it at all. But <laughs> the first sentence starts out with something like the same thing again. Like, I am not military personnel. And it's stupid that I even have to write this. I'm paraphrasing. But he's basically <laughs> like, I shouldn't even be having to deal with this right now. I wasn't even supposed to be here today. 
Shut up. You get to fly a mobile suit in space. <laughs> um, all right. Evolve 12. Uh, we we start off seeing some uh, Quattro Vagina glasses. You notice that the, that the spelling is Vagina. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I did catch that. Um, we get, there would not have been an official, like, Romanji translation, if you will, of the name by the when when these came out. So, yeah, yeah. So you get a nice shot of the Aragama, and the act, the graphics on it are actually pretty nice. Um, even by it's like today's standards, it would be like fine for like a a flyby in an anime, I think. Um. And you get to see a, a Mark II versus the Rictius. Um, so there's some fighting. And then you get to see a uh, red Zaku versus the Rictius. So if you know anything about Zakus, there's only one red one ever. Um, and uh, it gives Char a hard time, and it embeds its, uh, its heat axe into his head. Yeah. Well, this is a combat simulation, right? And yep. So he kind of takes care of those things in there, and then his opponent's that old uh, red Zaku, and it it uh, it beats him, and so he then fires live rounds. Yeah, he he flips, he he shoots some guns, like hey, stop it! <laughs> yeah, and, the, and the whole time you have this weird scene running that frames all of it, but you're not sure when exactly and where it is where there's a bar and there's a drunk woman and there's Char and they're talking about leaving the past behind and all that kind of stuff and and some drunk guy comes in and he's like I'm the red comet I'm the I'm definitely the red comet and then immediately leaves yeah <laughs> it was so rad it reminded me a lot of like the the origin bar with uh yeah. yeah that's what it gave me the same vibes of but <laughs> that's got to be connected to some side story manga that i don't even know about yeah like, it's one of those things where there's so little context for it i'm like this has to be an easter egg to something and mm -hmm. i have no idea what like or even the jacket that he puts on the drunk woman at, when it falls off of her i'm like that must be some character's jacket yeah but i um, yep, yeah. and at the very end, we get to see the Hyakushigi debut, um, the gold, shiny, um, pretty looking mobile suit. And um, they're like, Oh, we've got something special for you in this one. And so, like, the very last scene is uh, as Char is launching in the Hyakushigi, um, them bring and again, this is a simulator, um, them bringing out the OG RX 78 to for assume. Presumably for him to be able to duel Amuro Ray and lose. It doesn't show that losing though. So. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then you get to see his apology letter for firing live rounds, which <laughs> it's an amazing contrast to Camille's. Do you guys? Yeah. So it's basically, there's none of the extra like personal comment part. There's nothing there, but like it balled up. You could tell the paper was balled up. Like <laughs> someone told him to write this report. So he did. And it's basically one sentence to say, look at Hankin's report. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's just like balled up. Look, you guys, you made me fight myself. You can tell he's really about keeping up military discipline with the AU. He's like, I don't have to do this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So those are pretty fun, pretty fun episodes, and I think the next next episode we'll probably do the one that ha that does uh, the. I had the name of it on my head. It's there's another uh, it, this mobile suit shows up in episode ten, and there's another evolve episode that I think we have tagged for it. Yeah, the Marasai. Yeah. Yep. All right, but that'll be a little bit further on on this program. Oh, it is. Yeah, I haven't looked at the notes. Um. All right, episode 10, Reunion. Um, so we learn at the, the beginning of the episode, they are up-armoring the Mark II. Um, we've talked about it a few times, how the Mark II is basically uh, nothing special at this point. Um, but they're essentially using, the, and they, they mention this in, with like a single sentence, that they're essentially using 
Camille's Zeta Gundam plans to um, add this extra armor to the Mark II, and it looks like they're giving it like a little space sled as well. Um, yeah, it's strange. I think th what they're really referring to, because they talk about the Zeta's transforming component and using yeah. that as the basis for it, and then you see it, and it's just the... I forget the name of the thing. But it, it's it's basically like a space reentry. It looks like a stealth right. bomber kind of yeah. type. Yeah, it's um, just like the wave rider thing, but they've yeah. got it made up so that they can uh, use those for reentry. And that's really all it is. Yeah. So um, we learned that Ayug is going to be attacking Jaburo with around 80 mobile suits. And they give a number for the ships, but I forgot to take the number down. But it's a lot of ships. It's like a dozen or so. Um, and Emma is able to glean from Char that he is not exactly on board with the attack. And he would prefer to attack Grips because that's what she suggests at one point. Why aren't we attacking Grips? He's like, well, not up to me. <laughs> um, but there's there's one thing that he says in this conversation that just like, makes me question what's going on. He says, he says that Xeon Republic forces would t team up with join forces with the Titans. Why would they ever do that? He knows Haman. <laughs> yeah, but Titans are specifically like formed to, to wipe out the Xeon remnants and Haman is Xeon remnants. He knows how this shit works, man. It's all about betrayals. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just like a random thing that just seems out of place at this point because there's no context or or indication that the Titans would ever want to even talk to a Zeon person without a gun to their head. Yeah, this is something that it's almost a. I'm trying to think of how to put this without being like confusing, but starting in Zeta, and then as you move on, especially into late UC, it becomes a little bit less about factions and more about the oppressive military-industrial complex versus the common man. Mm -hmm. And I think Char is kind of aware that... I mean, and I mean, really, just kind of bring it back down to reality. Like, yeah, okay. Well, state actors, sure, those can be things, but it's really grand scheme of things. It's less about that. And I think that's, but then there's another part of it too, where he is also maybe just kind of talking and being a good company man. Right. Because yeah, he knows Emma's bringing up something he agrees with, but he's not trying to like, so dissent. Right. So right. he's going, well, no, we, you know, we should, this is good. You know, it's good that we're going to do this. It's totally, yeah, it's totally fine. I think it's, it's just fine. Yeah. It's fine guys. Let's just do this. I mean, cause I think it's very clear based off of this show and um, like some of the preceding stuff, like if Shar wanted to take over Ayug and just be the leader, he could do it. Like it would just be as simple him coming out saying like, Hey, I'm who I am. I'm, you know, Caswell Daikun, the red comet. I'm here to free Zeon. Like he could do that. He might not be successful at the end of the day, but he could do it. Star's counterattack. That's <laughs> you just described like the parts of the end of this series. Well, the, well, I know that's what I'm saying. Is like they they have throughout the show or throughout different parts of of like the show and everything like that hinted that like he he's still a widely respected person, but it's him, it's it's his own misgivings on taking control of things that has kept him from making any moves so far. Okay. Now I like your point. Yeah. So he doesn't want to lead. He wants to be part of the movement uh, to like move things in the right direction, but he doesn't have the, the desire to, to actually take things over as, as his own motivation yet. Anyway, Jamaican sees the, uh, Szechuan and it's it's green now I think he's like hmm that's weird um and then Kakrakon and Jared launch their attack 
on the port that the Argama is trying to get out of. So the Argama is, is getting ready to launch. Um, I would assume that the, the Szechuan sauce is about to launch too. Um, but they're launching, they're, they're blowing up the port so nobody can get out. Um, at this point, we actually get to see the Marasai for the first time in combat. Um, and we learned that it's also based off of the Hyzak. It actually looks really cool. It's basically like a Hyzak with like a larger samurai head with the, um, oh man, what is that suit that's in um, War in the Pocket that I like that the name's not coming to me right now? The camphor. Yeah, it's got like a big spike like the camphor does, but like a more like samurai looking Xeon helmet. Did you notice that? Well, okay, let me rephrase this. So they're red. And if you noticed, there's a little bit of a joke in the previous episode about this. So when Quattro launches in the Hyakushiki and Apple and Roberto see it, um, you know, they mention how it's gold and how the color of suits that he uses become popular. <laughs> and it's the very next scene where the Titans get the Marasais, which are red. It, and I, I, we, we forgot to mention it too. At the end of uh, episode 12 of Evolve, they have a quip of, hey, do you want us to paint it red? It's default co color is gold. And he's like, nah, keep it that way. <laughs> yep. But yeah. So, because he's Quattro Bagina. Yeah, he's not. Why would it? It didn't. It wouldn't make any sense for it to be red. Yeah. Come on. Even though every other suit he's piloted has been red. We haven't really talked much about the Hyakushiki. So this is a like a one-off prototype, but this is in the Delta Gundam like development tree, and this is like the basically the precursor to a transforming version of the same suit that doesn't transform. Didn't they? I'd have to look through notes again, but didn't isn't the the Hyakushiki is a bastardized version of like the Rick Diaz and like like the Zeta or the Mark II or something like that? I could I'm probably wrong. I don't know. Uh, this is just uh, um because they don't really talk about it. Yeah, I think it's. Hang on, let me uh, let me do do some very extremely, extremely right. super quick um, things. So, yeah, this is part of the. It's actually part of the Zeta project, and um, right, this is a prototype of the Delta Gundam, which I had mentioned, yeah. and that that got retooled when the design was too difficult. So. I'm just skimming really quick, but yeah, this is in that Zeta development uh, tree, and the based off of what you said earlier, Lane, I think they took the frame technology from the Mark II. Yeah, I, because I, I remember they they kept um, they kept. Uh, do you remember his, uh, they kept his Rictius that got blown up or something along those lines? Do you, do you remember the uh, in Evolve Two when they had that thing where they were showing like you were talking about the it was see through and they were doing all of like the mobilization of the frame. Yeah, and that was a big like they focused on that weirdly. That is specifically like that technology. I think was called movable frame. It was an Anaheim thing, um, and it was based on it was, it was something that the Mark II had that they integrated into other stuff. The the Hyakushiki being one of them. Cool. Yep. Yeah. Movable frame. Mm -hmm. Um. So. Um, Camille is having issues with these new suits because it, the Hyzax basically souped up Zaku's, right? Um, these these uh, um, new Marasai's are way lighter. They're more they're more like strike suits, like the Camphers, but even more so. So like the Camphor was meant to be like the Xeon, like like close combat, very fast suit, and this is just like taking that to the next level with newer technology. Um, and so, yeah, Camille's having issues getting, getting a beat on these guys. Um, and then Char has to launch as well to, um, help take on the, the, the Marasai's with, uh, Camille. You know, the, uh, 
this is a tangent, but Advance of Zeta apparently has the model in between the Hyzac and the Marasai. Um, and it, it's called the Rosette or the Dandelion. Mm, and, so uh, cool. He's an ugly boy. Cool yeah, Advanced Zeta has like some pretty cool designs, but also some pretty silly looking designs. Some of those Gundams are like, oh my god, those are those are. Well, I mean, it isn't yeah. Advanced Zeta. It was written specifically um, by like one of the toy manufacturers or something like that, or like it, I can't. I'd have to do some more digging, and I've heard some of the stories are actually pretty good, but. You know, I would I, not be prepared to talk about it whatsoever. Yeah. I'm looking at yeah. this, uh, the design of this of the rosette, and you know, I feel like someone made this and it bombed, and they're like, "Wait, wait, 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 we can salvage this." And SD Gundam was born. <laughs> um. All right. So, uh, one of the so there's a whole bunch of people fighting out here. So it looks like some of the, um, some of the people in this area have started to support. Uh, the AU. So, like, they made this comment when they were, like, stealing the um, Szechuan earlier. Like, Camille's like, why can't these guys that are, like, here take it? Because they're obviously, like, just watching us walk through and they're like, well, we need to kind of, like, take control of the situation, show that we can do our own shit, right? Um, so now they've kind of shown they're doing their own shit. So now they have support on the moon. And one of the things we're seeing are these little petite suits that are, like, um, I don't know if you've seen, like, Iron-Blooded Orphans it's kind of like those little suits that they're little mobile worker suits that are out doing stuff. So it's basically the same thing. Um, it's what Benajer is in at the start of Unicorn. The little, his is orange, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a little worker. Like it's like a powered suit. Um, but one of the suits actually has like a legit like beam rifle. <laughs> no, that's just Wong being crazy. <laughs> Well, he, he, he like blows the, one of the, he hits Kakrakon pretty good. Yeah. Like Wong finds a beam rifle <laughs> and uses it. Yeah. And they're not equipped with them. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like one of them had it like, um, but yeah, so he, uh, he, he's able to push Kakrakon off of Camille just in time for the Hyakushiki to show up. Um, and then, at, at that time, as they're kind of like able to get away from uh, Kakrakon, we see more missiles flow by, fly by and blow up the port as Camille and Shark kind of flying away. And I don't like again. I don't know exactly what it, what they were hinting at here, but it looked like there was like a lot of destruction based off of those missiles, and they just kind of like watched them fly by um, instead of trying to shoot them down or anything. But they don't really follow up on that at this point. Yeah, um, I mean, Henkin doesn't like that they just kept going, and you know, Quattro was all like, they just got supplied, and yeah, yeah. Um, but when uh, they get back, everybody is like praising Camille, and um, yeah, the, the captain calls them. I think Blex is on the call too. Um, everybody's like, "Hey, yeah, what's up?" And then um, then Roberto shows up, and he calls Camille lieutenant. And uh, man, that just pisses Camille off for some reason. He calls him. I thought he called. I thought he called him a new type. Oh man, this this English stuff is bad. Because again, I heard lieutenant. No, no, he called him new type, and then he said, "Don't call me that, even joking." Yeah, because well, you're yeah. thinking of a of a different scene, Lane. I am. You're thinking of a scene that's in like a couple minutes later. Yeah, I mean, I have that as notes too. I heard. I legit heard lieutenant. When he oh. said that, brain fart. Sorry. No, it's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he, so it was funny because uh, Camille had agreed to kind of like stay to the end of his shift and then like go go do whatever and relax. But then like as soon as Roberto pisses him off, he's like, "No, fuck it, I'm gone." And um, and they they call him out, and then Roberto's like, "No, I got him. I got him." So like Camille's able to maintain his douchiness. And go work on Haro. Um, so they're out in space again, and we hear we 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 learn that the temptation is sending out a distress signal, and um, and and 
Yeah, we, we know we hear that bright. Who, ugh, man, my brain is not working right now. Um, so yeah, the temptation is sending out distress signals. Uh, Camille knows that it's Bright's ship. Uh, I don't think Char was aware at that point um, that it was. Um, but the Argama detours to go intercept. Um, and so he launches, and then he also gets a mega bazooka launcher launched with him, which is actually pretty cool. I, I don't know like why he thought he needed it at that point, but they're like, yeah, launch the Hyakushiki. All right, now launch the mega bazooka launcher. Probably a toy came with it. But anyway, <laughs> uh, it's it's interesting that they have to launch it separately. Yeah. Because it's as big as the unit itself. Yeah, and and I mean this they must have they have a handful of other weapons for the Hakushiki down the line that this is similar to, right? Yeah, there's some other stuff, but there, there's like one where like it's like a big particle gun that takes like a while to charge, and he has to have like something, somebody hugging him or something when he shoots it. I can't remember. Um, anyway, yeah, so Bright's ship has a shitty pilot. Um, he basically runs into an asteroid, and then he like randomly starts shooting at the asteroid, and Bright's like, "What, dude? Calm down." Um, and we learned that he they're being followed by a mobile armor. And, um, and this is actually, um, they don't really talk about it too much, but this is the first time we are introduced in Gundam to a transforming mobile suit. This is the first transforming mobile suit. It's the Masala um, featuring Sirocco. Chicken or mushroom? Huh? Masala, it just—it sounds like Marsala. So. <laughs> That's funny. I don't I actually don't like the way the Masala looks. transforms into dinner. Yeah. Anyway, um, I mean, yeah, it's it's okay. It's an okay looking thing. A lot of the transformation is it lays down and the legs tuck up, <laughs> and the backpack becomes what looks like a spaceship thing. Congratulations. Yeah. Yep. Um. Yep, so uh, Camille and Char engage him, but it's super fast. Um, they're it's not able pressure. to... Yeah, it's got pressure. Uh, and yeah, so th there's not much to that fight, really. I mean... Well, the whole point is that you have Quattro with this awesome, cool new weapon. And he fires at this mobile armor, <laughs> but he is so whoever the pilot is, is exerting so much pressure on even him that he, yeah, he misses. Yeah. And now this then causes that pilot to fly away who we will learn who this is soon enough. He is, uh, we'll just call him King douche of sanitary mountain for now. <laughs> um, yeah. So we also see that uh, there's a whole bunch of civilians in bright ship. And one of them is Fa. Fa. Fa you eerie. Oh, by the way, Bright, instead of calling him, Bright sees Char immediately uh, yeah. dresses him as captain and Quattro then says, No, I'm a lieutenant. And Bright's like, The fuck you are. Okay, sure. <laughs> Did Bright and Char ever actually meet during the original series? No, but he knows. Yeah, I don't recall them having a face to face, but he was. I mean, I, honestly, Char, Char was f so famous. I can't imagine that anyone doesn't know what he looks like. They're both new types. He he knows. <laughs> it's the glasses, man. Um, knows, no, I mean he. Yeah, he it, knows his Char's presence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they've they've established that pretty much everybody on White Base that was in the show was some level of new type, even the kids. I mean, Bright is absolutely hands down. He's not a pilot, yeah. but he is absolutely a new type. Um, yep. So Bright and Char shake hands. Um, yeah, the the captain versus lieutenant thing happens, um, and then Camille's like, "Hey, I know you, Bright. We took a picture together. You signed my autograph. One of those two. Um, and just as he's doing that, <laughs> Fa, you eerie." I love her name. You, you, 
um, tackles Camille, and we learn that her parents were taken by Basque because they know Camille. Um, uh, so, yeah, dun, dun, dun. That was pretty dark. Like, I started thinking about that. I'm like, that's messed up. She's like, it's, she didn't say it's your fault, but I'm actually, you know what she said? It's because of you. Yeah, I mean, she, she did. Yeah, she did. But I don't, I mean, she doesn't know that if they're alive or dead. I think she assumes they're alive. I don't think she knows that um, Camille's parents were um, space vacuumed. Yeah, I don't think she assumes that ba- Bass is just murder, murder crazy. Maybe she thinks he's a nice guy. Mm-hmm. No, I, I don't think she thinks that. Can't imagine she does. At least Fa Yuiri is not as bad as that. Um, what's it? Flit's little girlfriend in the first season of Age, <laughs> who in the dub is literally pronounced urine. <laughs> oh man! You know, you know the person showed up and they're like. Wait, wait, what? You, urine? <laughs> Fuck, I need mean, I do. It's supposed to be something like, you know, like a, a Euline or something like that. It's a, meant to be, it's trying to be like this European sounding name. And then it gets made into Japanese and then translated back into English and you get pee. <laughs> you know that i'm gonna i'm gonna tie that in to your, to your transformer stuff because i i read that article you're talking about today and and i can only guess what that you you said like i wish the voice director would have uh gotten everybody to actually say cybertron with the r so i'm assuming they called it cybertron not every voice actor but a lot of them yeah they cybertron or Cybertron, or it's, I was like, dude, what kind of milk toast director is this? My high school drama teacher made you enunciate. How is a professional voice director not making these people enunciate? Transformers. It it makes sense if it's jazz or somebody with an (laughs) accent. But no, I say jazz was the first one to ever pronounce it. And then everyone just latched on. (laughs) You know, the biggest problem is that Optimus Prime pronounces it Cybertron. And Optimus Prime is very much like Optimus Prime does not use contractions. So what's up here? Anyway, uh, minor quibble. The show was was pretty. It wasn't bad. I was entertained. So, um. Uh, and and a, now, complete aside, going back like probably 10 minutes of this program, uh, Luke, I just wanted you to know that the rosette literally was scrapped and used as the core part of the dandelion. That's what the dandelion part is. Love it. Yep. Love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, one of these days, I'm going to sit down and read Advance of Zeta. We've, we've got people asking us to do it, but no promises. Is it? Is it out there? I mean, you know, I think some of them are. So I think there's like three or four distinct series of them. And I think they're, they're of varying lengths. Um, and they take part. I think some of them actually take part um, between Zeta and double Zeta. Um, but I, I'd have to do more digging and to what they are. I think like the first, the first series, which is like uh, advance of Titans or something like that. Uh, or Flag of the Titans is like four volumes or something along those lines. Well, I know it starts in 0084. Is it a um, is it a manga or is it yeah. okay? Yeah. has like the text of it, but they don't have. So uh, let me let me let me let me do the Googles really quick. Well, there's there are novel portions, I think, and there are manga portions. Yeah, it looks like it's a novel. This is a novelization. So, so I I think um, from what I was looking at, yeah, what I thought was uh, it it was basically partnered with uh, Dengeki Hobby Magazine to basically make new suits for being made model right? kits. Yeah, model kits. Um, and yeah, it looks like the first one is four volumes, 48 chapters. Um, and I, I think I read like one of the first chapters and it was, it was pretty neat. Like it's more of the long lines. It's 
Um, from the little bit that I read, it follows like a guy that's like a Titans officer, but he's not like the douchebags that we read about, but he's like encountering them at the same time. So like, and, and it kind of like gives a little bit more character of like why people would want to join the Titans and things along those lines that you don't really get uh, with Zeta or any of that other stuff. It's more along the lines of like, hey, they're Titans, they are who they are. And this is more along the lines of like, why would somebody want to jump from Federation two titans it would and it was considered to be like an honor and all that stuff it was only the elite yeah. pilots yada 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 well and even stardust memory shows us that the initial idea was well conceived yeah at least or at least seemed that way to um people in the federation forces they didn't know all this stuff behind the scenes and you even see in some of the rebellion content was it um forget which pilot it is it's unit four's pilot ends up joining the titans later on and isn't he's like disillusioned with them yeah, a handful of people do from the different content. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, it, I mean, it, it seems like it's got a lot of promise, and I don't know how much of which shows are translated. I don't think they're all translated by any means, because I think they're still being released in some form or another. I, yeah, I think Gundam Ace still has something running with it. or uh, it, Look, that's all, it, you know, I, I feel like so much of that is not made for our market, and will never come here that it's sometimes yeah. tough to get a grip on exactly what's what. Yeah. I think we've talked a handful of times. I wish that like we, it seems like there's enough to me, it seems like there's enough market for Gunpla and Gundam material that, you know, something like Gundam Ace should be able to get serialized in the U S like it doesn't seem like it would take that many people to actually make a profit, even if it went all digital. I mean, how much does one or two translators cost and then like a website, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, if they did a digital, I would, I would pay money for that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So thanks for listening. I think next time we will be moving to, um, according to our notes, episodes 11 through 13 and evolve episode 13. Um, until then, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll check you next time. Going to Earth.